All right, Acts chapter 4. Wow, what a great testimony. What a great testimony. You just never know what God is going to do. But we do know he's working. We know that for a fact. He is alive and well. And this morning, if you're willing to hear from God, uh, what a great story right there. God will talk to you uh, if you're willing to listen. And if you're a new believer or if you're an unbeliever, I know especially for young believers or unbelievers, it's kind of like, well, how does God talk to me? Does he got my phone number? He talks to us through his word. And that's that's why we're going to open up his word and go verse by verse through his word. Um, No, he's not going to call you on the phone. But he's going to talk to you through the Holy Spirit, to be more specific for a young believer or an unbeliever. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes within you. And since the Holy Spirit inspired men to write the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will then teach you everything about the Word of God. Are you going to understand everything? No. No. It's God-inspired. It's God-breathed. So don't get hung up with that. But you will start to understand and know what He wants for your life and how He wants to use you. And just uh, seeing Jonathan and Lori being faithful all of these years, um, it's amazing. Because we didn't know what we were doing. We received Jesus at 17 and a half. And after we received Jesus, we started reading the Bible, the Catholic Bible, and we started doing Bible studies, and we didn't have a clue, but we just loved Jesus, as we're going to see this morning in Acts chapter 4. We just loved Jesus, and we wanted other people to love Jesus and know Jesus. We were part of that Jesus freak generation. We were Jesus freaks. My car had bumper stickers all across the back of it. It was like, this kid's crazy. He didn't have to care about the paint. Put a bumper sticker on the paint. I just love Jesus. And so if you don't know Jesus, come to know him. If you, if you do know Jesus, are you in love with him? as we're going to see this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. And I just pray for the gift of teaching. And Lord, it's easy to say, yes, I believe in Jesus. But it's much harder to walk that life. Father, I thank you that we don't have to walk it on our own. But again, you will fill us with your Holy Spirit and give us the strength not to be religious, but just to love the relationship and walk hand in hand with that relationship and love to hear your voice through your word and through the Holy Spirit and through other believers. Father, we thank you. And now we just ask your blessing as we continue our worship of you, as we open up your love letter. Lord, help our minds to be still, to lay aside the afternoon and to really focus on what you'd have for us this morning. You do love us, and you do talk to us. Lord, help us to have ears to hear and a heart that would truly listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're new or visiting, we're in Acts, the book of Acts, and we go verse by verse through a book, and so we pulled the book of Acts, and we're in verse 1, chapter 4. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection of from the dead. And this is Peter and John on the Temple Mount. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed. So those Jews who were in the temple area heard the word of God, as we've already studied. You can get the CDs. Peter took them to the word of God. 
So we see the Holy Spirit coming upon him. The Holy Spirit was in him, but now the Holy Spirit's upon him, and he teaches them the word of God. He just doesn't talk about Jesus. He just doesn't talk about Jerusalem. He takes them to the word of God because what? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so Peter is doing that. He's proclaiming the word of God. So, however, many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Honest, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. Notice that. Jerusalem. This is 2,000 years ago. Islam will proclaim that Israel does not belong to Israel, that it's ours, the Temple Mount is ours, Jerusalem is ours. Guys, don't allow the enemy to confuse your emotions, but rather just stick with the facts. Islam came about in 600 A.D., 600 A.D., 600 years after Israel was inhabited by the Jews. Fact. So don't get all worked up about emotions. Just stick with the facts. Israel. Jerusalem was the capital of Israel, is today, always will be. Verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Very important. Notice that. Filled with the Holy Spirit. So he wasn't relying upon himself. Okay, I spent three years with Jesus, three and a half years with Jesus. I've got some great stories. I've got some really good jokes. Um, I'll, I'll come up with something. No, Peter realized, I'm in front of the Sanhedrin, which we'll get to and I'll explain. I've got one shot here. God, give me the Holy Spirit. I need your Holy Spirit. And as you read your word, you will find men and women of faith in the Old Testament praying and praying and praying. God, fill me. Lead me, guide me. So we don't take this upon ourselves, but we should always be ready to invite the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us when we're brought in front of someone, whether it's our neighbor, a coworker, uh, our supervisor, whoever it may be, always be ready to throw up a prayer like Nehemiah. God help me. That's all he had time to say. God help me. But always be ready to throw up that prayer. And as you do, God will answer that prayer. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If if we this day are judged by a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. We covered that two weeks ago. Now I just wanted to make sure you got the text so we can get the context of our next verses. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Peter is now standing in front of the Sanhedrin, which is made up of 70 Jewish religious rulers. And by the way, you might not be familiar with this, but they are the most knowledgeable people in all of Israel as far as the scriptures go. 
So he's not coming in front of a, you know, a, a group of people at a college campus who are learning about things. He's coming in front of a group of men who have been studying the Word of God. Studying, guys. Not on a Sabbath reading the Word of God, but literally studying the Word of God every single day for a majority of their lives. And at this point, being a Pharisee or a Sadducee, most likely for 20, 30, 40 plus years studying the Word of God. And now here comes this guy, Peter, some fisherman from the Galilee. And you'll remember that those from Galilee were basically uneducated people. And that's just the way it was. That was the blue-collar class. Judea, the southern area of of Israel, was the educated class, the white-collar. They were the ones who had the time to go to school and be educated. So there was that separation. And so get that big picture here. Peter's now in in front of these men. This would be incredibly intimidating. They'd be like you, just thinking of the 70 smartest people you know and all of a sudden being plopped in front of them and being interviewed. That's intimidating. But we're seeing that Peter is not intimidated because he's now filled with the Holy Spirit. He's relying upon the Holy Spirit. He's not relying upon himself. Guys, that is a key principle for you and I as Christians in these days we're living in. And what does Peter do even in front of the Sanhedrin? He does what we should do. Where was God in that Walmart? Where was God in Ohio? Where was, where was your God? If your God is such a loving God, where was He? That might come up this week, guys. That might come up today. What are you gonna say? Do you have an answer? You can have an answer. God is in heaven. He loves those people. He died for those. He sent his son Jesus to die for those people. And you know, everyone's going to die. Just remind them. Everyone's going to die. 10 out of 10. And you can even share with them what I just shared with you. Do you know this past week, 700 people died from car-related accidents in America? Was God not with those people in those cars? No, God was with them. But where were they? Were they willing to listen and hear from God? God was there. You just answered their question. That took 15 seconds. You just diffused all the anger in 15 seconds with a loving tone and taking right back to the facts. God loved them. God was with them. Were they listening? Were they listening to the love of God? It is very simple. But Peter here, he does what we should do as well when brought in front of others for our faith. You see, as he did on the Temple Mount in chapter 3, in chapter 4 here, he makes reference to the scriptures. He goes back to Psalm 118, verse 22, which these men, all of them, would have instantly known. They would have had it memorized. This is the same verse that Jesus made reference to with some of the same religious people in Matthew 21. The exact same verse. And Peter, just a few years later, when writing his first letter, will make reference to this same verse again. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and relate it to believers, to the simple fact that Jesus is truly our cornerstone. And the idea of the cornerstone is when you lay the cornerstone, it's perfect, it's 90 degrees, so you're going to line the rest of the building up with that cornerstone so your building is going to be level it's going to be plumb it's going to be straight all of those good terms so in first peter chapter 2 verse 4 we read 
coming to him as, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. Now again, remember, Peter's writing this when the temple was still in place. And the Temple Mount was there. And I've been to Israel eight times. When you go to the Temple Mount and you see the the walls, it's unbelievable, these massive blocks and how they got them in place. And they're not going to move. I forget there's one stone along the western wall. I, I forget. It's like four feet high. And it's crazy how long it is, like 60, 80 feet long and four feet deep. They, there's nothing that can lift it today. There's nothing that can lift it today. But yet they got these things in place and you can't take a knife blade and slide a knife blade between these stones. It's amazing how how perfectly laid they are. What is Peter showing us? That the church is not a building, but he's referencing back as a rabbi would do. He's helping them remember the cornerstone, the cornerstone, the, the walls, the temple, the building. And in their minds, it's not going anywhere. 70 AD proved differently. But in their minds, that ain't going nowhere. The mount is definitely not going anywhere. We have nothing that can move the, build, the, the, the rocks. It's unbelievable. But he's, he's equating that to you and me, that you and I, we make up the church. This building is not the church. This building is a building to house the church. And when the church leaves, we turn the air off, it gets warm in here, and it's dark. So as you read this, this is for you and I, every believer in this room. You are a living stone, are being built up a spiritual house. So we make up the church. And if you're just visiting and and as we visited and you go back to your home church or if you're out looking for a church where you're called to go, not where you feel comfortable at, but where you're called to attend, then you are a living stone. You're not a dead stone. I'll talk more about this next week. But you're a living stone and you are to participate in the things of the church. Notice this. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's also contained in the scripture. Again, even in his own letter, which is scripture, Peter references the scriptures. Behold... I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and in, and he who believes on him, who is the him? Jesus. Guys, you in this room, as a believer, you are a minority in this world. There are billions of people practicing religion this weekend that have no clue that Jesus is God. Yeah, he was a good prophet. He was a good man. He was a really good teacher. God? Oh, Jesus wasn't God. Guys, you are in a very, very small minority. When you think of 7.3 billion people, you're in a very small minority that literally believe, in case you didn't know this or you're new or visiting at Calvary, we literally believe in the word of God and that Jesus said he is God. We literally believe that Jesus is the son of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Triunity, the triunity of the Godhead, or what is commonly called the Trinity. We literally believe in that. And so he says, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. 
Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, which would have been me before I received Jesus as my Savior, I was disobedient. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief corner stone. I didn't know it, but when I did come to know it, I needed Jesus to be my chief cornerstone because my life was out of whack. Totally out of whack. And he has been the one over the last 41 years to get it straighter. Still got things to improve on, but he has gotten it way straighter. Verse 12. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Peter goes on to say, Nor is there salvation in any other. Now remember who he's talking to, the religious elite, who believed they were going to heaven because they knew the first five books of the Bible were perfect. We fast, we pray, we don't associate with the Gentiles. We are goody two-shoes. We do everything just right. We're getting to heaven, right? No, no, unfortunately. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven. Joseph Smith, Buddha, Muhammad, whatever name you want to throw out there, Peter is saying, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. True biblical Christianity. And I'm going to have to emphasize this more and more in these last days. So get used to that. I'm not just going to say Christians, because the Mormons say they're Christians. They've said it to my face. They're leaders. Oh, we're Christian. No, you are not. I have to tell them, no, you are not. You're not. And I explain to them in love why they're not. So on a Sunday morning, I have to, I have to be very specific. Because people think, well, I'm a Christian. I was born in America. I, I say the Pledge of Allegiance. I'm a, I'm a Christian. No, you're not. If you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you're not a Christian. You're going to hell. You need a Savior because you're a sinner, just like we all are in this room. And at one point in our lives, we acknowledge we're a sinner in need of a Savior so now that makes us saints. Not perfect. We still sin, unfortunately, but forgiven. And that forgiveness helps us to realize that we want to be more like Jesus. So true biblical Christianity is very narrow because within true biblical Christianity, there is no other way of achieving salvation. You see, as believers, we don't need to apologize this is so important because this past week, I don't know if you heard about it or not, but a man who used to be a young man who was very influential about 20 to 25 years ago came out being divorced now and apologizing to the LGBTQ2... I might have thrown one extra in there, but it's really hard to know. LGBTQ apologizing for his stance on marriages between one male and one female. In his own, this isn't hearsay, in his own writing, out of his own account, he's apologizing for what he did 20, 25 years ago for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he also said, as Christianity is defined, and I'm paraphrasing it, but as Christianity is defined today, I am not a Christian. Okay, 
Well, then you better repent and get right with Jesus. Because there's only one way to heaven. And it's through the word of God. Not through political correctness. So guys, we don't need to apologize for the facts of God's word. Nor for the truth that shows us that every person is a sinner in need of a savior. No matter what their sin is. No matter what their sin is. But ever since Jesus died and rose again, our spiritual enemy has been trying to point people to other ways of gaining their salvation by being good. And it always comes down to religious works, as Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 tells us. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith. Not of works, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's what we stand upon here at Calvary. Now, does that mean we shouldn't have works of salvation? No, we should have works of salvation. We have, we should have fruit of salvation. But we don't work for our salvation. And we don't try to produce fruit for our salvation. Salvation's there, okay? Once you receive Jesus as your Savior, get it off the table. And now let's mature, as Jesus said, and show fruit of salvation. And do those things that he calls us to do. Absolutely. But not for salvation. Absolutely not. You see, Peter makes it perfectly clear in front of these religious elite that there is only one way of getting into heaven, and that's through Jesus. But you see, Peter is only saying what Jesus taught his disciples in John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I know most of you know this, but memorize it. Memorize it. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's leave that up there. I'm going to read what Peter just said. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven, not Moses, not Elijah. Think of these spiritual men knowing the word of God. Not Nehemiah, not anybody. No other name. No other name, guys. I'm standing in front of you, 70 men who know the word of God. There's no other name but Jesus. No other name. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which. And notice what he says here. You might be saved. I think you should think about this. Jesus, he might have been right. I, I really don't know. Notice his boldness here. He says, by which we must be saved. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. What did Jesus teach his disciples at the beginning of his ministry? We'll see it here at the very beginning of his ministry, the Beatitudes, beautiful area over in Israel. And we are going to Israel March of 2021. We'll have a meeting after the service next week if you'd like to come get more information. Right here in the sanctuary. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Jesus says to his disciples and others who are listening, Enter by the narrow gate. You see, right now more than ever, you Christians are so narrow-minded. You think you have the only way of getting to heaven. You think if people don't know Jesus that they're going to hell. You're so narrow-minded. Thank you. Because it is the only way. I'm glad you didn't say, you're so broad and you just love everybody and every religion and you just tell everybody they're going to heaven no matter what. That's not a compliment if somebody says that to you. Being narrow-minded? Thank you. That's a great compliment. 
Just thank you. Just let them know. Thank you for the compliment. I'm glad that I'm glad I've made myself perfectly clear. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. It's called religion. Religion. Because narrow is the gate. Relationship. Relationship. Not religion. Relationship. Narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. Why is it difficult? Because we are filled with pride. If you don't think this is true, next time somebody comes and knocks on your door, the two the two elders that are 18 years old, I don't know why they give them elder on their badge, but the two elders that don't know much, as far as the Bible, they don't. When you try to talk to them, what comes out? 59 years old. I'm a stupid Christian that doesn't know anything. They look at me with that smirk on their face and they just say, well, well, we're, yeah, well, you know, can I share my testimony? No, you can't. I don't want to hear your testimony. I just tell them straight up, no, I, no, you're not sharing your testimony with me because it's Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of Mormon or Jesus of Jehovah Witness or Jesus of Buddhism or Jesus of, no, Jesus of the Bible. Do you know the Jesus of the Bible? And they don't. And I try to share with them in a loving way, loving tone, compassionate, graceful, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And they just look at me like I don't have, I don't have a clue of what's going on in life. And I don't have a clue about eternity. I, what does this verse say? <laughs> difficult is the way? It is difficult. You mean I just gotta receive Jesus? That's all I gotta do? No, it's gotta be harder than that. I'm going to pray and crawl on broken glass on my knees. It's got to be harder than that. Guys, it is difficult. Talk to a religious person. They're fulfilling the scripture right here. It's difficult. It's difficult. Unless you're willing to submit yourself to God, which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Let me ask you a question. Have you found salvation? Have you found Jesus? Raise your hand if you found Jesus. Now, before you found Jesus... If you can think back that far, when some Christian talked to you about Jesus, I mean, right now you're having a good time, you're loving it, you love Jesus, but go back to before you knew Jesus as your Savior and how difficult you might have made it on that person, that Christian, whom you rebuked or made fun of or ridiculed or put down or did something that you maybe shouldn't have done even physically to them. And it'll remind you of when the person comes to you That is difficult for them to show grace and mercy. And I do show grace and mercy. Believe me, I do. But it's difficult. They just don't get it unless they're willing to submit to the Holy Spirit and get away from their man-made religion. Guys, this is reality. You see, but again, notice here that Peter doesn't make any apologies, nor should we, but rather puts it right out there for everyone to hear. And what is that? That Jesus is the only way of gaining access to heaven. Guys, don't be ashamed of that this week. Jesus is the only way of gaining access to heaven. And true biblical Christianity acknowledges that same fact today, 2,000 years later. You do not have to apologize. You don't have to make any excuses. You do not have to be politically correct. Just be biblically correct.
Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Memorize it so that you can quote it. Back in Acts chapter 4, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, now we just read that exchange. How long did it take Peter to say this in front of these 70 men? The chief priest would have made 71 in case there was a tie in issues. He would be the voting, the last one to vote. <laughs> when they saw, how long did it take this? Two minutes, maybe three, Peter and John standing there in front of these knowledgeable men. But they said it in two to three minutes, the absolute truth. Jesus and Jesus alone. So I want to say that to encourage you, because I know for, for many, many years, people will say, well, you know, I, I don't have the scriptures memorized, or I, I didn't go to, I didn't go to Bible school, or, and, and the enemy, through fear and intimidation, puts all these excuses in our heads where we won't take 30 seconds to explain to somebody the gospel, or a minute to share our testimony, or two minutes because we're unqualified. And we disqualify ourselves from being used by God. Guys, God doesn't want that. Peter and John were not qualified as far as the Sanhedrin was concerned. But yet they're standing in front of the Sanhedrin and proclaiming the simple truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to heaven except through Jesus. What are you 70 men going to do with that? He left the ball in their court. What are you going to do with that? You crucified him. What are you going to do with that? Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. The King James says unlearned or ignorance. So the unlearned or the uneducated, it means unlettered, unlettered. Who are you to teach us about the Bible. Because Peter just made reference to the Bible. I stuttered under Rabbi Gamaliel. Well, I stuttered under the Rabbi Hillel. What rabbi did you study under? That's what they questioned even Jesus about. They wondered, where did this guy get his learning from? He didn't study under anybody. What, who, he's instructing us. We're the ones that know better. So again, what guys, don't limit yourself. Read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, Genesis to Revelation, Genesis to Revelation. Week after week, day after day, don't limit yourself. Allow God to use you. He wants to use you. Ignorant or untrained means illiterate as opposed to learned and educated. You see, in today's language, they would probably have said, these guys barely made it out of high school. Did any of you barely make it out of high school? telling you right you you don't know much about me i barely barely made i think they kicked me out because they didn't want to see me for another year i barely made it out of high school i'm not bragging i'm just telling you don't limit yourself don't limit yourself they're looking at these guys peter wrote john wrote the word of god they're ignorant and they're uneducated they're good for nothing hmm (laughs) their letters are in the word of God. 
God can use anyone, anyone. And they realized, here's the key point. I encourage you to highlight this in your Bible or on your app, however you do that. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. As the music team comes up, guys, this is the most important verse right now this morning. Do people know in your sphere of influence, because we all have a sphere of influence, we all have five or ten people around us that know us, or at least think they know us, do they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've spent time with Jesus this week? Or are you known as the YouTube guy? Or are you known as the conspiracy guy? Or are you known as the whiner, the complainer, the griper, the backbiter? Guys, what? think, think personally. I encourage you this week to think personally about your life. Nobody else, because we can always pick everybody else apart. Think about just yourself personally. And you evaluate yourself personally. Nobody else. And I'm not saying dig into your childhood. No psychology. Just be real this week with yourself. And can you honestly say that people would say they know that I've spent time with Jesus? Or would they say, I know they spent time in the gym. Man, that person is committed to the gym. They go to the gym four times a week. It's amazing. Is that really what you want to be known about at your memorial service? They spent time in the gym. Man, they, I saw them running by my house every day. It was amazing. They were so committed to running. Is that really what you want at your memorial service? I don't think so. I don't think so. This is the greatest compliment right here, right now, at the very beginning of their ministry. This is the beginning of Peter and John's ministry. What a compliment. You've spent time with Jesus. You know why we got a problem here today, guys? As they dismiss Peter and John, and we'll finish it up next week. You know why we got a problem here today? We crucified that guy. But you know why we got a problem here today? Because those guys spent time with the guy we crucified. Man, we got problems. Father, we thank you and praise you that we can spend time with you and with your son via your word. And Lord, at the end of the day, we need to be responsible. We need to be the best employee on the job site. We need to do due diligence as a dad, as a mom, as a student. All of those earthly responsibilities, we don't lay them aside. For your word says, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. So we want to do our best in whatever you've called us to do. But Father, at the end of the day, we really do want others in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our family, our acquaintances, our friends, our classmates. It would be really nice for them to know that we've spent time with you that you are changing our character, you are changing our personality, you are, with your hands, smoothing out the vessel on the wheel. 
And you are creating a vessel that is worthy of honor, worthy to be used for your kingdom. But we do need to put ourselves on that wheel and submit to your loving hands. So, Father, this week, help us to honestly, individually evaluate would others say that I'm spending time with you? Would they give me that compliment? Or would they be shocked to find out that I'm a true Bible-believing Christian? And whatever that answer may be, Father, we trust that if we ask for more of the Holy Spirit, that you will give us more of your Holy Spirit. That we might actually be that Bible-believing Christian that you call us to be in these wicked days. So fill us afresh, even this morning, Father. Let us not leave this place, but fill us afresh, fill us anew for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let's all stand, guys. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. Jonathan and Laura, you guys, you got to feel free to head on out there. Please stop by, guys. I mean, we may never ever see them again on this side of heaven. I hope I do, but this is the first time in probably three decades I've seen them. So, second time. So, uh, say hello to them. Pray for them. Uh, sign up for their mail. They do a great job with their email, giving a newsletter every month. So I encourage you to do that as well. If you need prayer for anything, especially to receive Jesus as your Savior, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. Michael, you're going to come up. Joe, we'll have some people up here to pray for you guys. God bless you.
Senhor.